How about that? Somebody say, wow. Wow. Hey, turn to the next person next to you. Look at them. Say, wow. Oh, you got to do better than that. Come on, Navar. Let's go golf. Same person. Let's do a real redo. Here we go. Ready? Wow. All right. Now tell them I wasn't even talking about you. <laughs> you guys sounded good, though. You did. I want to tell you something. That song is a big wow. And here's the reason why. That song has everything to do with the position of our hearts. And what we're saying in that song is we're saying, God, we are opening up our life to you. And we want to receive every good thing that you have for us. We don't want a little bit. We don't want a small. We don't want a medium. We don't want a large. We want supersized. We want every blessing that God has for us. That's what we're saying. So why would we sing a song where we're talking about receiving his reign? Because God's reign is what sends forth his blessings. Because rain makes the grass grow. Are you with me? And sometimes we didn't want it to rain. But God said, you need it to rain. So I'm going to send the rain because I promise you, I'm going to satisfy you with a smile. But that smile is going to come after the rain. You don't get the rainbow without the rain. You with me? We'll get the growth without the rain. And so today, we're just declaring that. And by the way, today's day 21 of the fast. 21 of the fast, yeah. And so, I'm so proud of y'all. I just want to brag on you. I'm so proud. Listen, if you didn't do this, this isn't a shame on you. This isn't a we're better than you. But some of you, you, you took the challenge. And whether it was a few days or 21 days, you stepped out said I'm gonna try it I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna pray because I believe and we believe that some things only come by prayer and fasting and I just believe that God's been good to you and so how many of you here like you've already experienced a blessing in your life an answer to prayer a miracle whatever it was that's happened while you were fasting would you raise your hand all over all over raise it up that's right good job that's incredible. All right, you put your hands down. How many lost some weight during the fast? <laughs> Raise that hand. All right. Uh, yeah, I lost some weight. That's right. I lost like 20 pounds. Can you believe that? How many know brother don't want another salad? I'm like set for a year, man. They're like, would you like a salad? It's only $2.99. I'm going to be like, no, give me two brownies. <laughs> give me two brownies, man. Uh, i tell you what, though. Listen, when we humble ourselves before God and we pray and we fast, what we do in secret God rewards openly. And I just want to declare over you today, whether you're watching online, you're in Navarre, you're at Blackwater, or here in Gulf Breeze, I just want to declare over you today that God saw you. Saw you push through. God saw you go through the testing when you were, you were fasting. Oftentimes, fasting comes with testing. Ask Jesus. But you push through. And I'm telling you, man, listen. The darkness... The hard times, sometimes they endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's when joy comes. And I just believe with all my heart that not only has God done good things for you, but God is going to continue through 2019 to open up the windows of heaven, to keep pouring out a blessing on your life because you gave him the first of the year. And when we dedicate the first of the year to God, God blesses the rest, man. Are you excited about that? I'm excited about that. So good, so good. And tonight, we are going to celebrate with a night of worship. Yes, night of worship. You were made to worship. You were created to worship. In our futile attempts, we worship different things. Some of us look at what other people are worshiping, and they're like, why are you worshiping that? NASCAR. But then some of us look at, why are you worshiping that? Football. Why are you worshiping that? And we all have things that we love. We all have things that, man, near and dear to our heart. You were made, could I say it like this? You were wired to worship. You were. And the greatest thing we can do is, is realize that the best of our days is when we lift up our praise to worship Him. Tonight it's going to be on 6 p.m. at the CLC right past Tiger Point, Walmart and all that. Get there starting at 6. If I were you, I'd get there at 5.30 it's going to be standing room only. I'm telling you, we've had more every year. It's built, 
it's just built, built bigger and bigger and bigger. People have come. We've seen people, I'm just going to say it, we've seen people miraculously healed. We've seen miracles take place. We've seen healings take place. We've seen not just a physical healing, we've seen emotional healing, some sexual healing take place where people had maybe a sexual addiction. We've seen God do amazing things where people, man, had unforgiveness in their heart for decades. And God spoke to them and they released it, man. They were lighter, I'm telling you. So whether it's emotional hangup that you have, maybe it's a chemical hangup that you have, you find yourself saying things like, man, if I could, I would. Listen, the house can be packed tonight. God's going to be in the house. God's going to do great things. Come, come early. Come expecting God to move, not just for someone else, but for you. You with me? 6 p.m. Do not miss it tonight. I'm telling you, if you miss it, you will have missed one of the greatest things you could have been a part of this year. We do this one time a year. We do it after 21 days of fasting and prayer. Let me tell you, it is not only special, it is holy. Be there tonight. Be there tonight. And so I can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see what God does tonight. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Just a shout out to everyone who got up, came to Navarre today. Thank you. Shout out to Blackwater. All you guys coming at Blackwater, we're glad that you're with us. And uh, shout out to you guys here in Gulf Breeze. Thank you all for being here. And a big shout out to everyone watching online, wherever you are. You're in New York City. You're in Texas, Oklahoma, California, Georgia, Wherever you are, you're watching online, maybe in Nashville, we got some people in Nashville watching. Wherever you are, listen, tonight we're going to stream it, so you can be a part of the night of worship, you can watch it, we're going to stream it, and uh, don't miss that. Now we're in this series, this is week four, and the series is called Dream, Dream. We're talking about believing God for the impossible, not the little, but believing God for the impossible. Ephesians 4.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or imagine. Above everything. So we're going to talk about dreaming. And in this series on dream, we're talking about this. Like you should have dreams. Dreams are good. Dreams are important. You should dream. Some of you need to dream again. But the thing about dreams is this. Sometimes our dreams wreck. Sometimes our dreams derail us. We're chasing the dream we're, so we can live the dream. And the deal is, it's not even God's dream for us. And what we talk about is if you, if you can just believe it, you can achieve it. But the gospel flips it upside down. The good news of Jesus says, it, it's, it, it's not even up to you. Like God created you and me for a purpose, on purpose. And God already has a plan for our life. And it's when we surrender, which is the sweet spot, when we surrender, when we say, okay, God, not my way, your way. The reason why we don't do it is because we don't trust him. The reason why we don't do it is because the devil's a liar. The reason why we don't do it is because the enemy lied to us like he did Adam and Eve. Did God say, and God knows, and you're not going to have, you're going to be miserable. And it's the same old stinking lie all the way from the beginning. And we struggle with trust just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve saw God. They walked with God and talked with God. They watched God's creation and they doubted Him. And you and I do the same thing. We do the same thing. And, 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 and thank God, God is long-suffering. You know that about Jesus? He's merciful. He's not like, what? That's not, I'm thankful too, boy. I've been a long one. I've been a rough ride, man. I'm thankful for His mercy with me. Now to dream. To dream is, is to realize that, man, his dreams are higher than my dreams. His dreams are better than my dreams. So what would happen if you and I, instead of trying to just believe it and achieve it, what would happen if we just said, okay, God, we're just going to receive it. We're going to receive it. If you can receive it, you can achieve it. In football, you got a quarterback, you got wide receivers, you got a lot of people on the team, and everything has to execute and that wide receiver has got to make a great pass next, next week, Super Bowl Sunday. going uh, to be a good Sunday. I hope, you come, I hope you come here. I forgot to say this last gathering. But next Sunday is football Sunday here. I want you to wear your favorite jerseys. We're actually going to show some videos of right now current NFL players. You probably heard of some of them. You want to know who they are? 
Don't get too excited. You want to know who they are? Come back next week. How about that? Come back next week. Current NFL stars, and they're going to talk about their life as a Christian and what Jesus means to them and how they're living for Jesus in the NFL. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. So y'all wear your jerseys, NFL Sunday. You're going to be out of here way in time for the Super Bowl. But don't let just because it's Super Bowl Sunday to let you forget that it's already Super Sunday because Jesus rose. You with me? Every Sunday, Super Sunday, man. So, so yeah, so where were we? Hmm. I'm talking about instead of trying to achieve, just being in the place where you can receive. Receivers in football, they got to have good hands. They got to run the right route. They got to run the right route. You ever watch a play where the quarterback threw the ball and then you're like, what's wrong with that quarterback? And the truth is that slot receiver ran the wrong route. You ever watch a receiver? He goes up, he goes to catch it, goes right through his hands to the other team. That happened recently. Interception, turn the ball over, right? That receiver, man, got to be able to right there, got to right there, just catch it. Got to have the soft hands, man, just like a glove, just right there. And God wants you to have the same type of hands. But to have those kind of hands, you've got to have the heart of a receiver. Maybe we are preaching now. I like this feedback. Y'all helping me. Y'all helping me. Y'all fixing to see me get it fired up. Make me think I'm dreaming. My church is speaking to me. Come on. I just park it right there. That's what I'm talking about. But if you just receive God's will for your life. And we talked about last week that, hey, you might be a softball coach, you might be a principal, you might be a dentist, you might be a doctor, you might be a lawyer, you might be a preacher, you might be a teacher, whatever you do, like, that's amazing. And, and sometimes it's not even so much about what we do, but who are we doing it for? Who are we doing it for? Sometimes we put so much focus on God's will for my life, what should I do? And God says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So if you teach, teach. If you preach, preach. If you're a dentist, be a dentist. <laughs> Whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. If you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, pour yourself into them. Are you with me? Like, don't waste it. Like, what's in your hand? What you're holding? Realize the value of it and give yourself to it completely. What will happen is you'll go from being bored to being a blessing. That's what happened. And so we're talking about dreams. And we asked the question, what would someone like you and me do? What would someone like you do in your current situation who was absolutely 100% confident that God was with them? What would they do? The, the divorce you're facing right now. The job. You just got the email, you got the memo, and they said, we're laying off 300 people, and you don't know. You don't know where your job is, if it's hanging in the balance or not, and you just live day by day, worried, afraid, because you might, today might be the day, tomorrow, Monday might be the day. You get the memo, you get the email, and they say, we don't need you anymore. And what happens is we get so worried, and we get so caught up in that, but what would someone like you and I do in our situation if they were 100% confident that God was with them? What would we do? We'd trust them. We would trust him. That's what God wants. And so we've been in the series Dream, where the word dream is mentioned more um, than around one story than any other story, and that's the story of Joseph. And I like Joseph because Joseph could have given up. Joseph could have messed up. Joseph never messes up. Joseph could have said, forget you, God. I did that. Did you ever do that? Mm -hmm. You know, when the pain got to a certain point and it got uncomfortable, I tapped. I tapped. We did, Joseph didn't do that. Joseph just kept being consistent. You with me? So we're going to look at his life. Now, the last couple weeks, just review in case uh, you missed a couple weeks or today's your first day. Um, week one, we talked about this. We talked about that your dream, your dream is connected to your destiny. And, and that was really about the truth. That's the truth of this principle. It's a foundation for this series is that our dream is connected to our destiny. My dream for my life was to not be a church planner. I want to be a church planner. Dad was a church planner. Dad planted churches. I saw how hard that was. That did not look fun to me. You know, I, I never had to be a senior pastor. 
I was like, Lord, I just, whatever, you know, whatever you want. And so children's pastor, well, before that, janitor. I went from being a wardrobe consultant at Men's Warehouse, making some money, to cleaning a church. How's that for your emotions? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you want <laughs> You know, that's what I, whatever you do. God met me in those days. God taught me in those days that when I was mopping, mop for the glory of God. When I was cleaning the toilet, if I, couldn't, if I wasn't willing to clean a toilet for God's glory, why in the world should I be on a stage with a microphone? You with me? Yeah, whatever you do. And so the dream's connected to your destiny. And I thought I knew better than God. Let me just, inf- information, quick uh, infomercial here, just announcement, quick memo. God knows best. I didn't know best. God knows best. Do you realize I'm living the dream? I'm living my dream, but bigger than living my dream, this isn't like a Super Bowl ring. Not just like that's amazing, but this is even more amazing because I'm living God's dream for Tim Payne. And I cannot tell you the fulfillment and the excitement. It's not a job to me. It ain't a job. You with me? It's a blessing. And you may be a police officer. You may work in Navy Fed. And you are right where God wants you to be. And you're like, this ain't work for me, man. This ain't work for me. This is what I get to do because this is where God called me to be. Are you with me? So your dreams connected to your destiny. And then next week, we talked about don't quit in the pit. We talked about trials. Last week, we talked about run. And that, that was the sex talk. About running from sexual sin. And that word was temptation because there's a dream tester and the, the devil will try to tempt you so you sacrifice the dream. But this week, we're going to talk about, here's the takeaway, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Say it with me, would you? Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. What that means is just do your best. Do your best and leave the rest up to God. Well, I'm not where I want to be. And if I was the vice president, I would. And, you know, vice president of my company, I would. Or if I just, you know, if I had more influence, you know, no, no, no. You'd be a good steward of the influence God's given you now. I'm only in sixth grade. Cool. Just be faithful in sixth grade. Study. Do your homework. Do your best when it comes test time. Don't go to bed at night and say, Lord, now lay me down to sleep. <laughs> I pray all that study time I did not do, you will keep. And don't do that. You know, osmosis, Jesus, do it again, do it again. Like a cloud, do it again, the miracle, Jesus. No, 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 God's going to be like, you with me? Just be your best right there. Just be your best where you're at. Just do your best. Bloom where God plants you. And then, here's the second part, let patience bring you through the process. God is an organized God. God is a God of process. God has a plan. God is strategic. God doesn't wing it. And I hope this works. <laughs> well, we messed up on Adam. <laughs> we forgot that. De- That's not God. God is through and through. You with me? He's a thinker. <laughs> He's creator. He's God. He's God. And so, bloom where you're planted. Let patience bring you through the process. Let's pick up Genesis. Let's go to Genesis 39. Some verses will be on the screen. Here we go. Potiphar was furious. You remember last week, Potiphar, second guy in charge. Potiphar's wife was hot. She thought Joseph was hot. So Joseph is scrubbing. She's digging the muscles. She's like, ooh, he's sweating. She's like, oh man, I want me some of him. And she day after day after day was going and tempting him and trying him and testing him, flirting with him and saying, come on, come on. You know, Potiphar's, you know, not here. And uh, my bed is prepared. Like, let's go. And she day after day was trying to get him to sin. And he's away from his country. He's away from his daddy. He, no one would know. Yes, they would. God would know. Because the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Not just the evil, the good. And Joseph feared the Lord. And so she one day literally goes after his cloak, grabs, grabs uh, the inner cloak. He's working, so really like his boxers. And uh, she grabs him, snatches his shorts right off of him. And he takes off running naked, naked and afraid. Joseph's like, he's running. And then he's naked. Like, what you going to do there? You just find some place to hide. And then she screams, ah! Joseph tried to rape me. And it was a lie. She was the one ready to cheat on her husband. And Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness, this great sin against your husband? Nope. He said, how can I do this great sin against God? See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It doesn't mean I fear God. Like, oh, God's going to strike me dead. No, no, no. It's just like God is God and I'm not. And God knows better. And uh, God knows best. And so I'm going to go with God. And that's what Joseph did. He didn't have the Ten Commandments. He didn't have Exodus wasn't written yet. Moses wasn't born yet. He didn't have any of that stuff. He just feared the Lord. And by the way, the fear of the Lord is all you need. If you fear the Lord, God will lift you up. And that's the story here. And so he, we pick up verse 19. Potiphar, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. This was a special prison. It wasn't just a prison in Egypt. This was a prison where officials who messed up went. So there was favor even there. By the way, Joseph had to suffer and still trust God. And last week I asked the question, do you trust God even when you're suffering? By the way, the dream's difficult. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And I got to stop right there and just preach a minute because the truth is when, whenever the Lord's with me, my life is up and to the right. It's up and my life's going good. It's like, man, I just, my life's going, that's when God's with me and you're the same way. We look back and say, man, when God is with me, everything is going awesome. Everything is awesome. And Joseph's life isn't going up and to the right. Joseph's life seems to be going down. And yet, verse after verse, it says, but the Lord was with him. Joseph gets blamed for rape, but the Lord was with him. Joseph gets thrown into the prison, but the Lord was with him. Joseph, and don't you know Joseph... I mean, if we were Joseph, wouldn't at some point you'd be like, I don't want the Lord to be with me. Just stop all this stuff. If the Lord being with me means my life keep going down, Jesus, peace out. Right? But no, 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 no. No, listen. Sometimes we miss Jesus because the dream is difficult, but the dream is worth it. And just because it gets difficult, just because you find yourself in some fire, doesn't mean that he abandoned you or forsook you. He's actually standing right there with you in the fire. He hadn't left you nor forsaken you. He, he, he hadn't done it and he won't do it because he promised he never would. And so the Lord is with him even when life isn't going his way. And not only the Lord with him, but the Lord showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with a prison warden. Someone say favor. Fair. Someone say favor ain't, fair. favor ain't fair. Before long, by the way, favor follows fasting. Read the book of Esther. Favor follows fasting. When you fast, God says, I'm going to favor that child. That's what happens. So before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. Sound familiar? Potiphar did the same thing. Potiphar said, I'm going golfing. Forget this man, Joseph got it all. He's taking care of everything. And the scripture tells us that he didn't worry. Potiphar never worried. He literally put Joseph over everything. He made him number two in his house. Now the, the warden's making Joseph number two, number two in the prison. It's, there's a theme here. Let's keep going. The warden put him in charge over all the prisoners and over everything. Bloom where God plants you. See, Joseph just kept blooming wherever he was planted. Do your best. Be faithful in the small things, and God will lead you to excellence in big things. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Here it is again. The Lord was with him and caused, someone say everything, everything he did to succeed. How many would like everything you do to be successful? Then fear the Lord. Bloom where God plants you and let patience bring you through the process. Joseph is in prison and he's in prison. All of a sudden, two of not Potiphar, but two of Pharaoh's right-hand people, high officials, they get thrown in prison. They tick Pharaoh off and he sends them to this special prison. It's still a prison. It's not perfect. The food ain't great, but this prison is a little bit better than other prisons in the country. Are you with me? This is the kind of prison that Joseph is with, where he is, and, and, and who he's with. So these two guys, one is a cupbearer, and one is a chief baker, a chief cupbearer and a chief baker. And so the warden puts Joseph over these two high officials. Joseph was a slave. But what happened was he was blooming where God planted him. You want to be the star on your football team? Run when you're not at practice. 
You want a 4.0? Do more than your homework. You want to climb in the company? Get there early. Leave late. Don't come in late and make an excuse. Know what I'm saying? Like you, like if I, if I could, if I was just there, I would, I would do this so much better. Just do better where you're at, and then you do better. You with me? So, so by the way, promotion. Quick word on promotion. Promotion doesn't come from the east nor the west. God is the judge. He raises up one and he puts down another. God is the greatest promoter of all time. Listen, God can give you bonuses you don't deserve. You know what I'm talking about? God can give you blessings you never even prayed for. That's who God is. When God promotes you. When God promotes you. So don't try to promote yourself, man. Let God promote you. How do you promote? No, no, you don't. You let God promote you. How do you let God promote you? You humble yourself. You humble yourself under the almighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. Because the Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When I think about resisting the proud, I think about when you're playing with kids. You ever done this before, and they've got a little hyper one, they're coming at you, and you just put your hand on their head. And they're like, and you're just like, refill on the sweet tea, please. <laughs> you know, it's just like right there, right? Just right there. And you just, right? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So because of that truth, humble yourselves under the almighty hand of God and he will lift you up. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Because I believe in the prison, Joseph was praying. I believe in the prison, Joseph realized that God was preparing him for dreams he put in his heart over here. And some of you are here today and God gave you a dream, but all of a sudden it seemed like it died and it was the death of a dream and you were married. Some of you were married and you thought like this was my love, my forever love. It'll always be like this. And then something happened and she cheated, he cheated. Something went crazy and you were left with shambles. You were in a mess, you were in a wreck. And I'm telling you, this is so, happened so many times and you think God has abandoned me. God didn't abandon you. God did give you a dream of a wife or a husband that would love you. You just haven't met him yet. God did give you a dream about having children. You're like, but, but, but I've had five miscarriages. God is on purpose. He's always with a purpose. He's purpose driven. And that's why he had Joseph in prison. And that's. Why he had him in that prison? Because now all of a sudden he's surrounded with influencers. One of them had, both of them actually, had Pharaoh's ear. And they, God gives them a dream. And they said, man, we have a dream. And we're going to pick up right here. They, they have a dream. And verse 8, Genesis 40, verse 8, they replied to Joseph. They said, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. In Egypt, dreams were significant. In Egypt, a dream meant uh, that a dream literally was a prophecy of what was going to happen in your life. And they say, no one can tell us. No one, in other words, can't be done. But we serve the God that can. When other people can't, when nothing else will work, God can. And Joseph is quick to admit interpreting dreams is God's business. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. In other words, Joseph gave God the credit. Do you give God the credit when you succeed or do you take the credit? Joseph humbled himself. He shifts the focus to God. And the chief cupbearer says, all right, here's the dream. I, I had this grapevine. It had three branches. It began to bloom and blossom. There were clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's cup. I grabbed the grapes. I squeezed the grapes. And I gave the cup back to Pharaoh. That's my dream. Without skipping a beat, Joseph interprets the dream. And he says, in three days, Pharaoh will restore you to your position. Then the chief baker I also had a dream. Here's my dream. He said, I had uh, three baskets of white pastries. I was carrying these baskets on, on top of my head, and, and the top one had a variety of pastries. And as I was walking, birds came, and they devoured the pastries in the baskets on top of my head. But the pastries were for Pharaoh, and Joseph didn't miss a beat. Joseph said, here's what your dream means. In three days, Pharaoh will impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat your flesh. Imagine being Joseph and having to deliver that dream. Imagine being the baker and having to hear it. He's like, oh, no, that wasn't the dream. You misheard me. No, the dream was like, sometimes we got to tell people the truth even when it hurts. Sometimes the truth is too close for comfort. But as Jesus followers in love, grace precedes truth. We speak the truth, and that's what Joseph did. He was faithful even with this hard, awkward conversation. Three days later, Pharaoh had a birthday and did exactly what Joseph had predicted and Joseph had told the cupbearer, when you get out of here 
in three days, remember me. Your boy Joe. Your boy Joseph, remember me. Tell him, Pharaoh, let Joe go. Joe didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. Let him go. And Joseph pleads his case to this cupbearer because he knew he had influence with Pharaoh, the most important, powerful man in the world at that time. But I want to tell you something. People don't determine your destiny. God does. People don't. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And he brings in all his magicians and all the wise men that he was paying. They were on the payroll. And he's like, your job is to help me when it gets tough. They had a board meeting. And Pharaoh said, I've got these dreams and no one could interpret them. Two years after Joseph predicted what would happen. All of a sudden, the chief cupbearer who was restored for two years, bringing the king wine for two years, right there in the king's ear, Pharaoh's ear. For two years, he's like, oh no. You ever forgot something? (laughs) You forgot your children? (laughs) You forgot your wallet? You forgot your phone? You ever forgot something? This guy forgot what Joseph did for him. He's like, oh, Pharaoh, I got to fess up. This is my failure. I totally forgot. There, Pharaoh, there's, there's a guy named Joe in the prison. You need to let him go. And he speaks that to Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, Joseph is summoned to appear in front of the most important person in the entire world. So they say, get him some clothes. Let him shower. Let him shave. It's time to shine. By the way... Um, Championships aren't won just in, on Super Bowl Sunday. They're won, they're won before the season starts. They're won before it's uh, returning back to camp early, before it's rookie camp. I watched that time versus Tom. I watched that. And what's amazing about that is the effort that Tom Brady puts in when no one else is working or very few are working. It was just crazy. And I'm not a Patriots fan. I respect them like crazy championship team. But uh, just to watch that, it just reminded me the champions prepare. Champions don't let up. Champions stay on it. Joseph was staying on it. He was being diligent. He left his father to find his brothers when his father said he's obedient. He was willing to do it and he had a great attitude. How's your attitude? You want to go up in the company, but your attitude might be the thing that's blocking you, not your boss. You with me? Had a good attitude. You say, you're not preaching now, you're meddling. (laughs) Joseph was, kept his mouth shut when he was sold. Joseph just worked hard. Then he goes to prison. He continues to help. What if you went to your boss and said, I I just want to, I just want to help you. I want you to be more successful. How can I hold your ladder? You know what your boss would do? Some of you are the boss. You're in here right now, and you're like, I'm, I'm testifying right now. My, my, my jaw would go, ah, right? What if, what, if you, what if you just determine instead of trying, you get ahead and you climb and you step on and you whatever and whoever's in the wake and you're going to promote yourself. What if you're just like, you know what? I should humble myself and I'm going to serve other people. You know what happened when you serve other people and lift other people? God will lift you. Amen. He'll lift you. He'll lift you. And that's exactly what happens right now, precisely in this moment. And Joseph now appears before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him, here's Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh's going to tell him the dream, but here's Pharaoh's dream. Seven fat, healthy cows that came up out of the Nile River. They began to eat. Then seven scrawny cows came up, stood next to the meaty cows you know, and devoured him, ate him. And then he woke up in a panic and, and Pharaoh was like, oh my goodness, what in the world? And he's sweating. He's like, what does this dream mean? It means something. And then he fell back asleep. You ever had a bad dream? Woke up startled. You ever fell back asleep? That's what happened to Pharaoh. He falls back asleep. And then he has a second dream. The second dream is seven heads of grain. They're plump. They're beautiful. They're growing. They're all on a single stock. But then all of a sudden another stock grows up. And on this one stock, there's seven shriveled heads of grain and they eat the seven plump 
heads of grain. It's like seven, uh, just imagine... uh, Maybe corn on the cob, maybe that would help you. If you think like a stalk of corn, you got this really awesome corn, and then you got this really bad corn. He's like, put that stuff back. I'm not buying that stuff. And the little eats the big, and he wakes up, and he calls this meeting. He's reminded, or he's told rather, this guy Joseph. Joseph's now in front of him. And Pharaoh says to Joseph this. And I love this verse in Scripture where it says, it says, finally, verse 9, Finally, 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 finally. You know, some of you guys are coming into a finally moment in your life. You've been through the pain. You're allowing patience to bring you through the process. As James would say, let patience have her perfect work. So you can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So you're just being patient right where you are, not getting ahead of God, not dragging behind Him, just being patient and Finally, moment happens for Joseph. And Pharaoh says this, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me. No magician, no wise man can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you, Joseph, when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. What do you do when the spotlight's on you? Spotlight's on Joseph. Joseph could have been like, yeah, you know. You know I got that gift. I got that gift all day long. You heard about it. You heard about it. He could have done that, but he doesn't. He doesn't do that. You know what he says? He says, it is beyond my power. And he takes the risk to say it's not me. He takes the risk of giving his God the glory. Because he knows that his story is all about God's glory. He knows that his wins are really because God lifted him up. Because he was in a pit. Now he's standing in the palace in the presence of the most powerful man in the entire world. And he gives the glory to God. Be quick to give the glory to God. Be quick. Someone told me last gathering, Pastor Tim, ooh, you preach today. That was a good message. Oh, you brought it today. I said, man, thank you. I'm going to give that trophy to Jesus. Because I remember my life before Jesus rescued me. And I told him, I said, man, I'm not pretty without Jesus. Jesus is like my makeup. Jesus makes me look better than I really am. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) We're going to move on. Oh. That's what Jesus does. So I told him, I said, it's not me. He's like, no, I can't imagine you. I, can't. I said, oh, I, imagine. I remember where I was. I remember how low I was. I remember when depression hit me upside the head and all I could do was cry and try to even pray. I remember where I was when that happened, but love lifted me. So I'm going to, this is my story. This is my song. I'm going to praise him because he's the one. And that's what Joseph said, knowing that Pharaoh could have said, that's right, fine, you can't get him out of here. Pharaoh could have not even let him finish his sentence, but that was a risk that Joseph was willing to take. What risk are you willing to take when pagans in your life recognize God's hand on you, God's favor on you, God's blessing on you? Are you quick to give God the glory even though there's pagans around you? That's what happened right here. That's what the book says right here. And he says, it's beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. That's what Pharaoh wanted. Pharaoh is wanting to be set at ease. Listen, look at the people around you and what are they really wanting? God can set them at ease. Joseph shifts the focus to God again. And Joseph says, here's the dream. Here's the dream. You're going to have seven years of prosperity. Both dreams mean the same thing. Both dreams, they're similar. It just means it's going to happen fast. And God is telling you right now what's getting ready to happen so you can act swiftly because his word will happen quickly. Seven years of prosperity, then seven years of a famine. Not just a famine, Pharaoh. You've had famines before. It's going to be the great famine In Egypt, in your history, this is going to be the big one. So for seven years, we need to prepare. Verse 32, he says this, And as for having two similar dreams, it means these events have been decreed by God, and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh 
should find an intelligent and a wise man. He didn't say, you should get meat. No. He says, but find an intelligent and a wise man. Put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then when Pharaoh, then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses, stored away and guard it. So there will be food in the cities. See, in prison, Joseph was having to guard the food. So in the prison, God was preparing him for leading on a bigger stage. That way there'll be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will destroy the land. Verse 37. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else? Like this man who's so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God... Now Pharaoh's giving God the glory. See, when we give God the glory, other people will give God the glory. He said, I, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land. Oop, I skipped a couple verses, sorry. Let's go back, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people. Pharaoh had some peeps. All my people, and they will all take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby, right now, I put you, Joseph, in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, and he placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen, clothing. It means he got some new threads. And he hung a gold chain around his neck. In the Hebrew, that means he got some new bling. (laughs) Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zaphonath Pania, which means God speaks and lives. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asenath. She was the daughter of Potiphar. I wonder if there's any relation to Potiphar. Like, yeah, put an A on that. <laughs> the, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. When Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. Inspect what you expect. He was, in, he was expecting that they weren't prepared, so he inspected to see. In other words, he had to define reality before he could lead them from here to there. He had to see what was really happening. I'd like to land today just kind of talking about dirt. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't like dirt. I like to be dirty. I don't like dirt. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, gotten dirt in your mouth maybe some dust in your mouth maybe you were doing the mud run and you breathed at the wrong time you got some mud in your mouth or if you were a little kid and you ate it you pretend it was like cocoa (laughs) you're eating the dirt dirt doesn't taste good I don't like dirt go ahead uh, Ben if you bring the table out Um, but God God is a God that created the dirt God knows how to use the dirt. Thank you, Ben. And sometimes in our life, what we experience is dirt. We experience dirt. We experience more dirt. And maybe life was like going okay for you. Like everything was perfect. Your world is perfect. You never plan on having to start over. Start over on a new marriage. You never plan on starting over that relationship with your son or daughter. You you never saw it going sideways you never thought it would happen like that you you never thought you'd lose your job i mean after all you've been there 25 years and and you're just going to get a note that quick like thank you but we don't need you anymore and how could you have foreseen another business would merge with yours and all of a sudden you would go from being so valuable in your company to invaluable to the new company 
and all you saw was dirt. Sometimes in life, what happens is it just seems, seems like God has abandoned us, that he's forsaken us, and it just seems like we just get uprooted. But God's not scared of the dirt. God moves to the dirt. It's a dirty faith. God, God's not afraid to get his hands dirty. And maybe not only was your world turned upside down, but you just felt like there was just a bunch of holes left in what used to be your perfect little dream. And now all of a sudden, you're just surrounded with dirt. And if the dirt, dirt weren't enough, everything's different. It's not how it once was. Maybe, maybe God took a loved one home and bed that used to have the warmth of your beautiful spouse is no longer there. Maybe the child that you prayed and cried and believed God for turned into another disappointment, another waste of your hard-earned money, another waste of your hope. It's not like it was, and if that weren't enough, God just seems... To keep piling it on and and preacher tells you i mean tim tells you that that god's with you god's with you man but you're saying it's just dirt right now it's just dirt it's just dirt it's just more dirt can't can anything what's gonna happen next i mean i've, I've, I've had my my share I'm, I'm, my life is just filled with heartache and maybe you thought that god was just bearing you God wasn't bearing you. God was preparing you. Maybe you thought that God had just forsaken you. God hadn't forsaken you. God was just planning you. Like you thought he was punishing you. All this, all these bad things in my life. I got to start over. Do you know how old I am? I'm going to have to start over financially. Are you kidding me? And God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not bearing you and I'm not punishing you. I'm just replanting you. Because my dream's bigger than your dream. I'm actually going to watch you bloom. I'm putting you in a place so you can bloom where I planted you. And maybe what you need to realize today is out of your pain comes your purpose. You see, your greatest opportunity for ministry, your greatest opportunity to helping others, your greatest opportunity for ministry is your misery right now. I've been able to talk to people about depression because I was there. I've been able to minister to people that know what it is to experience a hellish panic attack because I've had them. I've been able to talk to young people who are ready to end their life and if you're not careful, you'll just look at the mess. You'll just see that you're surrounded with dirt. And you'll think this dirt is too much. This dirt isn't fair. It's not fair. And God's like, man, you're right. It's not fair. Because where you were and where I'm taking you ain't fair. It's favor. It's favor. It's favor. I'm telling you, someone needs to hear me today. You have, you've like almost dried up, man. You've, you've almost given up. You, you are just there and you're like, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've shed tear after tear after tear and it's like God hasn't met me there. You tell me to walk on. You tell me to keep on. You tell me to believe more. You tell me just to have faith. All I got is dirt. Can I tell you something? God knows how to make beautiful things out of dirt. God may, knows how to make beautiful things out of the mess. He can take your mess and make it a miracle. God knows how to catapult you to your future. He knows how to instantly, finally, that word finally, it had been 13 years since Joseph was sold into slavery. At the age of 17, his brothers said, you're worth 20, see ya. And now all of a sudden he's 30. And now all of a sudden he's standing before Pharaoh and God supernaturally. No, no, God's plan all along. God's strategic plan all along was I'm going to prepare you here. If you are not willing to scrub the floor, 
you're not going to be worthy of owning the floor. If you're not worthy of leading in a prison, you're not going to be worthy of leading the entire country. If you can't get prisoners to follow you, if you can't get the prison, the warden to like you, then, then how are you going to get the whole country to buy into your leadership? God was in the details. And God is in your details. And that marriage that went right through your hands, that just literally went like this. God wasn't doing it to you. Maybe God was doing it for you. Maybe he left you because God got someone better for you. Maybe that ache and pain that you don't talk about, you just wear the mask. Maybe God wants to do a big thing in your life. And he's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. I, I close with this. That God had to change Joseph so Joseph could change all of Egypt. And maybe God is trying to change you and I right now in some of our circumstances. Because God's got another page. And the, the rest of it isn't left unwritten. It's written. And it's a real big dream. I woke up the other morning and the Spirit of God put the scripture on my heart. Which actually is the scripture on this podium right here. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news. And I read that every Sunday before I preach to you. To remind me that God is not only for me, God is with me. And God is upon me. Because in and of myself, there's no good thing. But Christ in me is everything. And if I'm doing it on my own, I don't got a word from God for you. I'm in desperate need from a word of God for me. But when I'm walking with Jesus, I got a word from God for you. The other morning, Wednesday morning, I woke up. Thursday morning, I woke up. The Spirit of God said, close with this verse. So let's, let's, I'll just read this to you. Isaiah 61 verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Maybe you're here and you can't find the job. You moved here and you're like, God, why are you uprooting me? I left home. I trusted you. and I can't even find a job right now. And you went from having money and making money to right now. You're just trying to figure out how you're going to get groceries for the week. The Lord is upon me and anointing me to bring good news to the poor. And he sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. I realize, and I say this with humility, I realize there are broken-hearted people here today. You're broken-hearted. You're just a few questions away from tears. It might take time to turn off. But God sent me not only to comfort the broken-hearted, but to proclaim that the captives will be set free. And the prisoners will be freed. Some of you are a prisoner to your dirt. Maybe it is your dirt. Maybe you did mess up. Maybe you spilt the pot. You made the mess. It's not as it once was. Can I tell you something, man? God knows how to take that same dirt and use it to breathe life again. There's some prisoners here today. Some people need to be set free. There's some brokenhearted that you are here today. And I'm telling you something. God is going to prove to you he's not abandoning you. Bloom where God planted you and let patience bring you through the process. God allowed God allowed Joseph all things work together for good. God allowed Joseph to go through all that so that he would save Egypt but there's a bigger picture he would save his own family and he would save his nation because he was willing to be in God's place in God's time and even when it wasn't fair he bloomed where he was planted and he allowed patience to bring him through the process and some of you are in that process right now and it's a dirty process divorce it's dirty God's saying, I'm with you. Some of you, your marriage right now, not healthy. You wouldn't describe it as whole or even good. And God is with you. Some of you just lost a job. You lost a relative. You lost a child. You lost your what would have been your firstborn. 
You're just left with dirt on your hands and God is with you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Can I ask this question today? How many say, Pastor Tim, I need that message today. I need that message. That's right where I'm at right now in my life. It's right where I'm at. Man, God spoke to me today. Would you raise your hand all over? Hold it up high. So many hands. Navar, hold them up. Hey, you're watching online. You hold it up right where you're at. God's seeing you. You're in Blackwater. Hold it up. Can we just pray to God real quick? Can we just surrender to God? Because surrender is the secret. Just surrender it to God. Surrender the dirt to God right now. Just Let's just pray. Let's pray something like this. God, I surrender it to you. All of it. I will believe that you will not abandon me. I will believe that you're not punishing me. I will believe that you're planning me. You're preparing me to bloom. So today, I'll lift my eyes from my situation, circumstances, from my dirt. And I'll look up to you. And I'll keep my focus there. Have your way. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, can I just tell you the gospel about 120 seconds? God loves you. God knows you. In the very beginning, things were perfect. God created Adam and Eve in a perfect garden. And he gave them a command. There was only one rule. Don't eat that fruit. And that was the one rule the devil wanted them to break. So he tricked Eve. Eve took the fruit, tasted the fruit, gave it to Adam. He did the same thing. And sin was birthed into the world. In fact, literally all of creation that was perfect groaned with birthing pains as sin entered the world because the earth knew that now death would be a result payment of sin is death so from that time till this time we only live so long and we die because the payment of sin is death that's the payment so God loved us enough that he said, I'll pay that payment. I'll pay that price. And God loved you and God loved me enough. He sent his son, Jesus, his only son, to die for you, to die for me, to take our place. And Jesus, who knew no sin, became my sin and your sin. Every sin we ever did, the ones no one still knows about, God knows about. God not only knows about, God became that sin on the cross. That thing you stole, God became a thief because you were a thief. Adultery that you had on that cross, that sin came into Jesus and he paid the price of it. And on and on and on. And all of our sins were piled and stacked on him and yet he had never done any of it. And he absorbed that sin and he paid for that sin. And it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Pleased the Lord to punish Jesus. God the Father punished his son. It didn't make him just like happy. like no, But it satisfied the payment of sin and Jesus did that because he loves you and I enough he did not want you to pay for your sin he not just a physical death but a spiritual death he knew it be too much so he died for us while we were sinners Christ died for us and if you and I will believe that he is who he says he is that he's God if we will confess that we're sinners and if we will put our faith in what Christ did for us and that is that he died, was buried, and he rose again. If we'll do that, we will pass from death to life. That's how you become a child of God. You don't achieve it. It's not your good works. You receive it. You receive it as a gift. And there are people within the sound of my voice today. You're watching online right now. You're many, many miles from us, but you hear it. And God's speaking to your heart clear today. Today is the day of salvation for you, sir. Today, ma'am, you're here. You're in the gathering. You're in Navarre. You're here. Maybe, sir, you're in Blackwater. Today's your day to say yes to God. And how we do it is I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer. You're you're not going to pray to me. You're not going to pray through me. I'm just like you. I've got a microphone, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer to God. We'll pray it all out loud together. I'll say something. You repeat it. 
And this is really you talking to God. For those of us that are already Christians, we're going to pray the prayer again so that those of you who are going to pray to Jesus and accept him into your life for the first time, you're not alone. Would you repeat with me? Would you pray? Would you say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. You've seen all of my sin. You know me. I need a Savior. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. Today I give you my life. I receive your life. I declare Jesus is Lord. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus name. Everyone looking up right here. Everyone looking up right here. If you did that today for the first time, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't procrastinate. Just shoot it up. A couple seconds of courage. We're not going to embarrass you. We want to give you a gift. So, Navar, you ready? Let's go. Go, Breeze, you ready? Let's go. Online, are you ready? Let's go. Blackwater, are you ready? Let's go. Here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. Right now, hold it up. That's right. That's right. That's right. I see your hand right there. I see your hand. Don't be afraid. Hold it up high. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on, Navar. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hold it up. Blackwater, hold it up. Yes. You're watching online. Let us know. Please let us know. We love to celebrate with you. And if you did that today, here's your next step. Go tell somebody, Jesus made me new.